Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another installment of Grizzly Bear Blues Live. I am your host, Joe Mullinax, site manager of SB Nation's grizzlybearblues.com. So thankful for that opportunity that I've been able to have for these last several years, and so thankful to you, however you're listening to the show, whether it's on Google, on Stitcher, on Spotify, on Apple, on iHeart, uh, however you are listening to Grizzly Bear Blues Live here on the, uh, the precipice. We're on the edge of trade deadline 2022 some of these trades have already been pretty wasted drunk what the hell are the portland trailblazers doing are the kings and the pelicans in a death race to the 10 seed and all the while the memphis grizzlies look down upon the nba week weaklings before them at their feet cackling at the immaculate vibes that they are currently enjoying thank you for joining us here on this very special edition of Grizzly Bear Blues Live. Ways to get in touch with the show. You can follow us on Twitter at GBB Live. You can follow our blog that I am fortunate enough to be the site manager of. And my two associate editors will be joining me here shortly. Uh, we are the uh, the unholy triumvirate of GBB at the moment. At SBN Grizzlies. You can follow Parker Fleming, my co-host. And again, he'll be here momentarily at Paca underscore Flocka. You'll be able to follow our other guest for this episode of GBB Live, Brandon Abraham at BC Abraham. And if you want to make the poor choice to follow me on Twitter, I'm over 6,000 strong now. You know, it only took 100,000 tweets to get there. But, you know, the ratio is not very strong for me. But that's, you know, that's par for the course. At Joe Mullinax is where you can head if you want to follow uh, some Mullah tweets. Let's get right into it. Like I mentioned a moment ago, my guest for this episode, a little bit more laid back because these are two of my closest buddies when it comes to talking Grizzlies basketball. We talk almost every day, um, which is kind of cheesy to say, I guess. But, you know, they're, they're two guys. I, I've spent a lot of time and energy uh, building up GBB, and these are two guys that I trust uh, trust pretty, pretty, uh, pretty much with all of it um, over at GBB. So Parker Fleming, Brandon Abraham, glad you guys are here with me on, uh, on this trade deadline hours away episode of the podcast looking ahead to the events of Thursday. Let's start off with Parker. How are you doing, buddy? Joe, thank you for all the all the kind words, really. Uh, I'd like to say I'm doing pretty well. Um, I, I'm not one to want to trade the immaculate vibes, but I feel pretty good knowing that uh, we could trade Nathan Chester in a heavily protected second to go get Josh Hart from Portland. So I'm doing pretty good. <laughs> I didn't realize I was paying him that much money. And then uh, – Fellow associate <laughs> editor, um, Brandon Abraham, Mr. Hustle himself, Mr. Johnny Conchar, uh, second biggest fan, because apparently there's a John Conchar Twitter account or fan Twitter account, which I learned this week, which is just ridiculous. Um, <laughs> I, I guess I thought it was you, Brandon, and apparently it's not you. Yeah, yeah. When it first came around, everyone just kind of automatically assumed it was me. Um Honestly, mad at myself. I wasn't clever enough to come up with it, but I'm glad someone did. Somebody did, and it's a it's an interesting, interesting situation for old uh, Johnny Conchar there in Memphis. Ironically, with all of these trades that get floated out there by uh, the likes of me, John Conchar is unscathed uh, in, in these trade uh, rumors and speculation pieces. Uh, so let's jump right into it, and let's start with the NBA at large because obviously the Grizzlies have been pretty quiet outside of, you know, the, the random blurb at the bottom of a Mark Stein newsletter or a Jake Fisher article saying, oh, the Grizzlies are entertaining ideas about Jarrett Culver. 
Uh, there's not much going on in Grizzlies land. Not that there haven't been, you know, out of left field deals that have come during this administration, this Zach Kleiman run front office. I think most folks agree it's going to be probably a quiet trade deadline for the Memphis Grizzlies, barring something unforeseen. It has not been quiet across the league. So, Parker, I'll start off with you. Several deals have gone down. C.J. McCollum is now a New Orleans Pelican. DeMontis Sabonis is now a Sacramento King. Tyrese Halliburton is in Indiana with the Pacers. What trade to you has kind of made you raise your eyebrows the most? Because I think the Blazers are very clearly trying to do something. They seem to have a direction. I'm kind of fascinated, Parker, by the idea of Sacramento and New Orleans. The play-in has changed the game a little bit. Like some of these trades, these are by teams that have losing records or close to losing records that don't really – seem to be in a position to really make a playoff run but if you make the play-in tournament and you have success uh, to bring it back around to the Memphis Grizzlies Parker the Grizzlies have shown play-in success might be a precursor to bigger things for you on the horizon yeah I think they're showing that and I think this is just good for the league as well because I mean for example out west you only have uh, probably about 12 of the 15 teams are trying to be competitive and if you had that same kind of energy towards the Eastern Conference as well. That's 24 of the 30 teams in the NBA trying to be competitive, and that's just going to make for an overall better product, especially as we get into this uh, stretch of play. I mean, I'm looking at the standings right now. Uh, Between the Pelicans and the Kings, who are the Kings are at 13th in the West right now, only three games separating them. You have Portland, who I don't know what they're doing. I mean, I kind of do. I respect don't. Yeah, but they're also saying, hey, we're shelling out all this cap space and assets to go get somebody for Dame Lillard. I'm like, okay, that's still not going to do anything, but go for it. But, yeah, uh, I would say the the trade that probably catches my eye the most, uh, obviously that, that Clippers one with Norman Powell and Robert Covington, that was just like, a, oh, wow. But it was more of like the Clippers being buyers than anything because everything we had heard was that they were going to, try to sell and retool to get ready for the next season. And I think getting Norman Powell more than does that. Yeah. And I think that's a great point to make. Sorry, sorry to cut you off. I I think that the point that you you make there is a really good one. To me, I saw that trade as more about 2023 than this year, because if Kawhi and Paul George come back healthy and, and they got Norman Powell, they got Robert Covington. That team is scary as hell going into next season. Absolutely, yeah, and I would say the trade that the the trade that raises my eyebrow the most is definitely that Kings and Pacers one. I mean, let's be honest, Sabonis is the best player in that deal, but everybody thought that De'Aaron Fox was going to be the guy in that trade, and not Tyrese Halliburton. I mean, Halliburton's the Halliburton in his last game before getting traded had seventeen assists. The only two players that had done that in the past couple of years who were his eight, like twenty one, twenty two. Where Luka Doncic and Chung, he's not on that level of playing field, but like having that kind of guy in Sacramento, pretty solid. I mean, granted, we should all be thinking uh, the Indiana Pacers from saving Tyrese Halliburton from that sort of purgatory because he's so much fun to watch. And if you listen to his stuff on like Old Man in the Three, or um, I think he was on a low post recently, he's just a overall great person to hear talk basketball. But that's just the trade where it's like they really gave up Tyrese Halliburton. Like I don't care if they gave up like Buddy Heald or T- Tristan Thompson, but like the Halliburton one was just surprising. 
I mean, but it's the Kings. Kings gonna Kings. You know what I mean? Kings. Kings are gonna Kang. I I really am interested in the Halliburton comp and uh and Brandon. Um, th- this kind of relates again back to the Grizzlies as Halliburton goes over to Indiana. There's you know speculation about is Malcolm Brogdon going to be available over the summer? You can't trade him now because he signed his extension in October, I believe, is the rule. So they can't trade Brogdon before the deadline. But could Brogdon be available this summer? And if there were ever a perfect lead guard to be or a complementary guard, excuse me, to be put next to John Morant, in my opinion, it's Malcolm Brogdon. So Brandon has the activity that's happened before the deadline kind of made you feel and think that it makes even more sense for the Grizzlies to kind of stand pat because of how interesting things could get this summer. If they can get Malcolm Brogdon without giving up Desmond Bain, Dylan Brooks, and they've got that guy, the play next to John Morant the next few years, the Grizzlies, in my opinion, and we can talk more about this, I don't know that they need, uh, like John Morant is a number one star in my opinion. I think Jaron Jackson Jr. can be a number two. Desmond Bain maybe can be a number three, but I'm not saying they need a Jalen Brown at this stage anymore. I would rather see them add a third or fourth best player to amplify what they've got without losing those top guys at this point. I think the calculus has changed a little bit. Would you agree with that, Brandon? Oh, absolutely. I think I think there's a lot of layers that go into this offseason, especially with the moves teams are making, you know, like Malcolm Brogdon's the easiest guy to think of just with, you know, Indiana just making that trade. But, you know, who else could theoretically become available that's on that Brogdon level where you can make a trade, but you don't have to give up, you know, Ja, Jaron, like they're pretty much untouchable, Dylan or Bain, and still get a quality player, you know, that'll be around for a few years to make a deeper run. You know, the options, the options are there. So, you know, it's a little different in that case compared to, okay, let's say the only star player on the market's Jalen Brown, then that price tag is going to be very pricey. And, you know, it, get, it can get a little uncomfortable with what the Grizzlies are going to have to give up to be able to go acquire Jalen Brown. Whereas, you know, now, you know, presuming a guy like Brogdon, who there's already speculation he'll be available, you know, you can, you can tell Brad Stevens and say, hey, we're not going to meet your asking price and then pivot to, to go get Brogdon or whoever else is available. So I think, you know, I think the other teams, whether it's panic moves or aggressive moves to fight for the 10 seed, like I think, you know, with the growth the Grizzlies have, it's just even further evidence that, Hey, ride this out, enjoy the vibe, see what you do in the playoffs. And then, you know, really focus on the tough decisions this off season. We're talking with Brandon Abraham and Parker Fleming, my two associate editors over at grizzlybearblues.com on this special trade deadline edition of Grizzly Bear Blues Live. Follow Brandon on Twitter at BC Abraham and follow Parker on Twitter at Paca underscore Flocka. Uh, before we get to the next segment, guys, I really want to touch base on the Ben Simmons, James Harden kind of stuff. And again, we're talking bigger picture. It ties into our Jalen Brown question. You look at what Philadelphia is debating on giving up. You know, obviously Ben Simmons isn't going to play ever for them again. So I don't necessarily think that counts anymore. Whether it's a Tyrese Maxey, whether it is a uh, Seth Curry, the the market, and Brandon, you alluded to this a little bit, the market is so volatile 
right now? Like if Phoenix really does get involved for Eric Gordon, what is that actually going to look like? If Christian Wood is on the move from Houston, if, uh, you know, the magic get involved and they try to ship out some of their pieces like Terrence Ross from role player to star and everything in between. I feel like that there's so many factors, Parker, in what's happening with this trade deadline. And to be honest with you, you mentioned you didn't know what Portland was doing. Part of it might be money. I think that it might have been Mike Prada, who has been on uh, GBB Live in the past. Mike Prada. I always mispronounce his name. Uh, Mike does a great job covering the NBA in the Washington, D.C. area. And he tweeted about how he thinks this has to do with money. And he thinks more and more there's going to be ownership groups that are going to make moves to try to clear their salary caps a little bit, maybe pay a little less money, a little less money because of the money that has been lost during the pandemic. Um, there's so many interesting factors going into this trade deadline and this offseason, Parker, that I think you know th- there's real potential for some pretty ground-shaking moves to be made, even beyond the Harden and Simmons one. Yeah, and let's also uh, not forget, too, that the cap is going up to $121 million. Uh, I, right. I think that's up from, like, 108. So that's going to play a factor. Uh, yeah, I mean, we we lived in some crazy stuff over the past two years. I'm not even going to say live through it. We're still living through it. Um, there's just a lot going on, and people forget about the money side for the league, and that could be true. I just think there's also just really weird – uh ground right now i've i i really i i've had this i've had this conversation with people like like brandon and connor and um i really do think that we could be entering a time in the next like what four or five months that we could see some groundbreaking stuff in terms of the next wave of trade demands and you have your uh your Jalen browns has been tossed tossed around a little bit Bradley Beal is obviously the one that kind of looms large a little bit because of him sitting out the rest of the year with injury and his max contract situation coming up. Donovan Mitchell has hurt, or he's been a guy's like, oh, he might want a, a bigger situation. De'Aaron Fox, I mean, we just don't know what's what's going to happen with the stars and this land, landscape can really shake up because for the first time, for the first time since probably what. 2011, 2010, the league feels wide open. And I think we're going to see a lot of groundbreaking stuff, not only because of the money, but because of that league. Because we all thought it was going to be Brooklyn or Golden State, or maybe the Lakers. And everything's wide open. Like You can make an argument for, like, what, four or five teams coming out of the Eastern Conference uh, with the Western Conference, Golden State, Phoenix. I mean, if you wanted to say that the – Memphis Grizzlies or the Cincinnati Bengals of the NBA, count them in too. Uh, I mean, there's just so much that can go on. And I think just the weirdness of the past two years, plus the parity in the league, we're just going to see more and more groundbreaking stuff here. I think that's a good tie into the Super Bowl there. You're going to get us some football listens and downloads on that one, Parker. Thank you. You're, 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 a, you're oh, yeah. all of you. Put that in the title and you're set. Yeah, the Grizzlies are the Cincinnati Bengals. We'll have, you know, a million downloads. Um, I think that you make an interesting point there with the league being wide open. It's the in-between of the end of one era, the LeBron James era, uh, where he's the greatest player. You know, Giannis has kind of taken over from that. And, you know, Kevin Durant is obviously still playing very well when he's healthy, but he's not healthy right now. And if the Nets make this trade and James Harden moves on to Philly, 
Ben Simmons, in theory, makes a lot of sense next to Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. That front court just got really big and really athletic. And Simmons is like a super version of Steven Adams in that he doesn't need the score to be impactful in terms of winning. But at the same time, they're trading away a Hall of Famer in James Harden. And now you're potentially pairing James Harden with the monster that is Joel Embiid. That's terrifying in the Eastern Conference. Out West, I don't think enough people give Phoenix their due. They really are playing very well. And I think Phoenix is a good role model for the Grizzlies moving forward in terms of, you know, maybe bringing in one veteran guy. Chris Paul is their second best player. Uh, You know, maybe Memphis could do something along those lines to bring in a second or third best guy because Devin Booker is the best Phoenix Suns player. Obviously, John Morant is the best for the Grizzlies. But I, I think the way Phoenix has done it and obviously the intrinsic, you know, Steph Curry, Draymond Green, Clay Thompson, those guys all being selected by Golden State and kind of growing together, merging those two together is what I could see the Grizzlies potentially doing uh, on their own. But Brandon, do you agree with Parker's assessment that the league is wide open? I think in terms of record, and we'll talk more about this in the second segment, in terms of record, the Memphis Grizzlies are contenders by every sense of the word. Offensive rating, defensive rating, they're in the top 10. Do we need to start considering the Memphis Grizzlies as legitimate NBA Finals contenders? Because we'll talk more about this in the next segment. I struggle with that, Brandon, if I'm being honest. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think Parker's point is pretty spot on. And the trades that have been made so far, you know, this deadline kind of point to the way teams view things. You have, you know, a team like the Pacers, who's been in and out of the playoffs and their core is not working kind of selling their guys, you know, same with the Portland Trailblazers on the the back end of the Dame CJ era. Um, They seem to be pretty much going, you know, all in for maybe one more year with Dame and retooling and hoping they can keep him happy. But then you have the Pelicans and the Kings who, you know, outside of that one New Orleans series against the Blazers a few years ago, haven't had playoff success and they're kind of going making big swings at the 10 seed, um, you know, just to have a chance at the playoff. So it's, I definitely think the parody is intriguing. Um, I'm not quite sure I would, you know, trade a guy I have control over for the next seven years for a guy you'll have control over for two years. But uh, I definitely think that will be, you know, a main motivator with a lot of moves that teams are going to make at the deadline. Um, And then to your point about the Grizzlies, it's tricky. I mean, record-wise, you know, they're, you know, the attention they're getting, it feels very contenderish, but kind of to Parker's point, and I mentioned this on our roundtable earlier today, you know, to me, their best comparison is a Cincinnati Bengal type run, or even what the Hawks did last year. Yeah, it feels like a lot has to go right. And in fairness to the next generation of the Grizzlies here, the best success in the playoffs that the Memphis Grizzlies of the grit and grind era had was also kind of convenient, right? Uh, Kevin Durant got injured and wasn't able to play in the Oklahoma's or no, it wasn't Durant, excuse me, it was Westbrook that wasn't able to play uh, in the second round of the playoffs there um, in 2013, I believe it was that they made that Western conference run. And then obviously the Clippers in the previous series, they said Blake Griffin was hurt and all that stuff. So, you know, you have to get to the dance in order to have things kind of break for you. And Memphis is very much in a position to get to that dance and be a contender potentially. But this front office has yet to make a move to take that step, to turn that page into contendership. 
This is still one of the youngest rosters in the NBA. When we come back on Grizzly Bear Blues Live, we're going to talk about what makes us most nervous about the Memphis Grizzlies going into this stretch run. Let's assume they stand pat. I've written thousands of words over the last week or so about all these different types of trades and ideas. It wasn't a waste of time because hashtag content, but chances are they're not going to do much of anything. So let's say they stay the course. What concerns you most about that reality? We'll talk about that next. You're listening to Grizzly Bear Blues Live. Don't go anywhere. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Grizzly Bear Blues Live. I am your host, Joe Molinax, joined at this time by my two associate editors, two of my favorite folks to talk Grizzlies basketball with, Mr. Parker Fleming at Paca underscore Flocka and Mr. Brandon Abraham at BC Abraham. Make sure you're following them on Twitter. In the first segment, we talked about the trade deadline at large, some of the deals that had occurred, the shifting landscape of the NBA. Now we're going to get Grizzly-centric, Grizzly-specific, and that will lead us to the GBB Live question of the day that I always tweet out or almost always tweet out uh, when we are doing an episode of the podcast. Which category where the Grizzlies currently rank at the bottom half of the NBA concerns you most come playoffs? Is it free throw percentage? The Grizzlies entering the games on Wednesday night had a 73.8% free throw percent conversion rate. That's 26th in the NBA. There's only 30 teams in the NBA, so that's pretty bad. Uh, Then you have three-point percentage. Again, the Grizzlies at 33.9% in terms of conversion rate on their three-point shots. That's 23rd in the NBA. The amount of threes they take in a game is 24th in the NBA at 32.6 attempts per contest. And then half-court points per 100 shots was at the 22nd percentile per cleaning the glass. So they are really bad in all four of those categories. Um, the fans voted for free throw percentage as the thing they were most concerned about, and thanks to the over 110 folks that participated in the poll. Uh, I voted for half-court points per 100 possession because, Parker, I think that is where when the game slows down in the playoffs, if you want to make an argument for a Harrison Barnes, you want to make an argument for an Eric Gordon, even though they take away from the defense and the rebounding, they're not as good at that as some of the players you would assume you'd have to give up to acquire those kinds of guys like a DeAnthony Melton or Kyle Anderson, but they would help in half court offense, creating off the dribble in the case of Gordon shooting the three in the case of Gordon and Barnes. Uh, I just really struggle with seeing this team in the playoffs when things get more aggressive, teams are more fresh because there's no back-to-backs, the schedule calms down, you're scouted up on all the things that the opposing team is going to try to do. John Morant's going to be able to get to the basket more often than not, regardless of what the opposing defense does. What comes next makes me nervous. I'm not sure that they have enough guys that can answer that call. Maybe Dylan Brooks is that answer to my concern for the half-court offense, but that was my vote. It finished in third. Uh, free throw percentage was the main concern, and then three-point percentage got 27% of the vote. I'm one of the people that voted for the half-court offense and being worried about that. Do you agree with that, Parker, or did you vote in a different way? Yeah, no, I, I voted for half-court offense because I think it trickles down to everything else. It trickles down to three-point shooting. Uh, three-point, I think the other one was uh, three-point, yeah, three-point, three-pointers per game and three-point percentage. I think half-court offense uh, ties into those as well. I mean, for one, before you mentioned Dylan Brooks, I was about to be a complete smart aleck and say, well, good thing they're about to get somebody better than Harrison Barnes and Eric Gordon. It's almost like Dylan I Brooks know you, after the All-Star Parker break. Fleming. It's almost like I you know, know what you were going to say. But it's true. He is better. He's better than both of them. 
I, I'm comfortable saying that. But I mean, one thing with with Dylan Brooks is like he's not gonna. I I don't know if he's going to average 25 points in a playoff series again, but you know you have somebody who's capable of rising up in big moments, uh, creating in three levels and doing such things while also defending the opposing team's best player. He's going to be a big help to half-court offense, but it's like a shameless plug. Like what I wrote about on Tuesday for GBV, it starts with guys like Jaron Jackson Jr. and DeAnthony Melton because you can't have – Desmond Bain and maybe Dylan Brooks be your only three point threats, uh, especially when John Morant isn't this um, this crazy limitless range point guard like Steph Curry, Damian Lillard, or Trey Young. He's more pain oriented. You need guys that can make you pay for closing in on John Morant. And if Desmond Bain's the only player that can take advantage of that, that's not going to bode well for half court offense because again. You even mentioned fresher, fresher legs. They rely on generating turnovers and getting out in transition. You're not playing like you're not going to have nights sprinkled in where you're going to play the Orlando Magic, Sacramento Kings, Oklahoma City Thunder. Like you're you're going to have teams that take care like Dallas takes care of the ball better than anyone else in the league, and they gave Memphis trouble. So I, I think it really comes down to half court offense. It's just going to play a big factor in everything else, um, especially when you have three non-shooters in your ro- rotation right now and Steven Adams, Brandon Clark, and Kyle Anderson. Like, you got to get three-point – you got to get uh, not even just three-point production, like a high volume of it from guys like Jaron, Bain, Melton. Uh, I don't know if Zaire plays in the playoffs, but um, you, you just got to – you just got to figure all that out. And I, I, I have faith in it. The law of averages tends to – even out at some point. And if it does for those guys, then it's going to come out at the right time. And you progress to the mean just like you regress to the mean, right? Like you're not going to be terrible for an extended period of time and never be good at three-point shooting again if you've shown over the course of your career to be a decent three-point shooter. So I do think there's some truth to that um, when it comes to some of these Grizzlies players. But Brandon, to Parker's point, if the season ended today, which obviously it doesn't, I kind of hate this to say this, but if the season ended today, the Grizzlies would be playing the Denver Nuggets in the three, six series and the Denver Nuggets could have Jamal Murray back by that stage. I haven't seen the latest update, but it's possible he's there. Michael Porter Jr. is probably out. The Nuggets just got a uh, disabled player exception. Um, I think that's what it's called. Forgive me if it's not uh, of several million dollars. And they usually only give those out when a player's out for the entire season. So, I think Porter Jr. might be done, but he'll probably, maybe he won't be full strength, but Jamal Murray should be back. The Nuggets have a great roster built around Nikola Jokic, who's playing even better than he did in his MVP campaign. You mentioned the roundtable, and we put out two separate roundtables over at grizzlybearblues.com for the trade deadline. Make sure you're checking those out if you haven't already done so. And we talked about ceilings in our roundtable, and – Somebody, shout out Grizz1, uh, got very upset when writers like you and I, Brandon, said that their ceiling was the second round. He thought that the ceiling should have been like what Ed Memphis, uh, another writer from that roundtable, said the NBA Finals. I struggle with seeing this team as a finals contender, Brandon, because of a lot of what Parker said. And Steven Adams is a great example of it. Steven Adams is a player who I am so glad that he's on this team because he helps make the team better, especially in the regular season. 
I worry that Steven Adams is going to be unplayable in the playoffs, Brandon, because he doesn't shoot the three. And if they don't defend him like Porzingis didn't defend him in a recent game and that they have a big that's able to play like Jokic center field and not have to worry about Adams as a perimeter threat. Now that makes Steven Adams basically unplayable. He can't be out there for extended periods of time. And if that happens, Brandon Abraham, you lose the elite rebounding offensively that helps negate the issues that this team has had in the half court. Part of the reason they do better than expected per the numbers in their half court offense is just how damn good they are at rebounding the ball offensively. If you lose Steven Adams, you lose a major chunk of that. I don't know what this Grizzlies offense looks like without that extra possession creativity that Adams provides. So that's why I struggle with seeing them as a finals uh, contender. I, I don't know that they are quite ready yet. That doesn't make the season a failure. The season is amazing. They are tremendously successful regardless of what happens. My goal for them was just to miss the play in. They're clearly going to do that. The wheels would really have to fall off if they were going to miss or, or be back in the play in conversation. So this season's already a win for me. I don't see them as an NBA Finals contender because they don't have an answer to, in my opinion, that fairly basic question, Brandon. And I tend to agree with you. Um, I mean, this team has surprised us time and time again. So out of the realm of possibility, like, sure, it's possible they could go on a deep run, but to many of the points you pointed out, it's not likely. Like, I, I wouldn't start planning the parade and, you know, mapping out, you know, how to get, you know, get started at Silky's, go all the way around and end up back at the form or whatever. But, you know, I, I think, you know, we talked last year in the playoffs about, you know, earning your scars, things like that. Well, I think this year it's going to be amplified even more because, you know, especially for Taylor Jenkins. So, you know, to your point with Steven Adams, what does Taylor Jenkins do with that? Does he continue to roll with Steven Adams, play him heavy minutes, or does he, you know, pretty much hand the keys to the five position over to Jaron and see what he does, you know, in a matchup against Jokic or Perzingis and, you know, limit Adams' role a little bit, but see what the other guys do, you know, see if Dylan or Dez step up, you know, alongside John Jaron and, you know, I think it'll be a great learning experience regardless, but it'll be, you know, a chance for them to earn more scars and, you know, kind of self-reflect like they did last year after the playoffs where, you know, clearly after that, JV was kind of a big, you know, all right, do we pay this guy? Do we not? And the front office kind of saw the writing on the wall, moved him for Steven. And, you know, Jaron looks more ready to take over at the five. So, you know, I, I think Jenkins might roll with, you know, heavier Jaron minutes and, you know, see what he does and if you lose you know figure out what you need to do in the offseason but I, I definitely think you know there's some legitimate issues and things you know that'll make you nervous heading into a playoff series and at the same time too John Morant could just go supernova again yeah he could he, he has a, a propensity to be able to do that clearly and I, I want to stress because I'm going to be called a Grizzlies hater I'm going to be asked why I still cover this team if I hate them so much they could lose in the first round, and I would still say this season is a remarkable success. I don't necessarily – I'm just going to say it. I don't necessarily care if they win or lose in the first round. I am still very much in the long view view of things because the front office, in my opinion, is still very in the long, long view of things because 
they haven't made a contender move. If you were truly a contender, you would go out and you would try to solve that problem by acquiring a big that can both rebound and shoot the three. You would go do that. Maybe it's not a super expensive move, but you would make a trade to go do that type of thing. You would try to find a way to bolster your bench scoring. If they don't do that, then they're not truly a contender in my eyes. And I don't mean to say that in a negative way. They are being patient. They are being opportunistic, like Parker mentioned in his roundtable responses. That's what they're going to continue to do, and that's what they should do. So I, it's going to sound like I think that they're bad. I don't think they're bad. I think more than ever before, the Memphis Grizzlies are in a prime position to win at least one NBA championship in the next five years. That's crazy to say, in my opinion, because I lived through the grit and grind era. I covered the grit and grind era. I thought those guys had a shot. These guys have a better platform to leap off of to get there in these next few years. They're not going to risk that for now. They've proven that. They've been very disciplined, and they deserve credit for that. That doesn't change that Taylor Jenkins is doing an amazing job or that John Morant's an MVP candidate. All those things are still true. When the game slows down in the playoffs, it's a different type of basketball, and it's not going to be as fun as what we saw against the Clippers, which was awesome. I'm concerned that they don't have the pieces in place to be able to compete against the Phoenixes and the Denvers and the Utahs and the Golden States. And that's okay because they're not in a position to do that because they haven't been put there. Everything they've done has been overachieving and they deserve credit for that. Very, very clearly. We're finishing up here on Grizzly Bear Blues Live, talking with Brandon Abraham and Parker Fleming, associate editors over at grizzlybearblues.com. Of course, I'm Joe Mullinax, the site manager and host of GBB Live. We'll get you guys out of here on this. I want bold predictions. I want, well, check that. I want one opportunity for you to say you were right. Pretty standard prediction. And then I want a bold prediction. Okay, so for example, my standard prediction is the Memphis Grizzlies will trade Jarrett Culver and a second round pick, two second round picks, heavily protected for something like that, to the Oklahoma City Thunder for Kenrich Midrich Williams. Okay, or Midrick Williams. That is my standard. I think that's going to happen. It makes too much sense. Bain and Williams have that connection. I think that's going to occur. That is a prediction that I look forward to saying I was right about. Something that's a little more bold is I think that they will make a move, again, boldly, bold prediction, probably won't happen, but it's my bold move, that they're going to go get Harrison Barnes. And I think they're going to package Culver, Kyle Anderson, if there's some other piece that needs to work out to make the numbers work, I'm not quite sure if there is or not. I'd have to double check. But I, I think that they're going to go get Harrison Barnes, and that bold prediction gives you some of that spacing. You still have DeAnthony Melton, and it's just kind of a hybridized version of what Chris Harrington was talking about on the radio recently. Now you have Harrison Barnes' expiring contract, Steven Adams' expiring contract, plus you still have a ton of draft picks to go out and get a bigger fish in this crazy offseason, you have the opportunity to make those major moves still. I don't think it's going to take a ton to get Harrison Barnes. So what I really think is going to happen is Williams from the Thunder coming to the Grizzlies for Culver in a second-round pick or something like that. Bold prediction, Harrison Barnes, the Grizzlies take advantage of the Kings being Kingsy, and they go and bring in Barnes for expiring deals in a future first. Parker, your turn. I want to channel my uh, my inner MJF for Kendrick Williams and say that he's mid, <laughs> absolutely mid. But no, um, I'm gonna say my prediction is they 
turn Culver and Tillman and two seconds into Marvin Bagley to give him a, a look before he enters restricted free agency. And um, my bold prediction is that we see uh, Kyle Anderson um, in a last-minute trade deadline deal. And the immaculate vibes continue because they bring in Kyle Kuzma. Gosh, he would be just perfect for those vibes. He really would. That sweater just screams. Oh, perfect, perfect for the trash vibes. talk vibes. Yeah, he I'm and Jaron Jackson Jr. would become best friends. I believe that completely. Um, I like your Bagley one, I, and I'm going to steal that if that happens because I got yelled at on Twitter for a Bagley suggestion. So um, I look. So forward you're also to- talking to two people on this podcast that had Bagley number one on their board in 2018. That's true. That's fair. I, I'm among friends when it comes to my Bagley uh, takes. All right, Brandon, we'll get out of here on you. I have since soured on Bagley, not as much because of him as a player, but I don't know how much I want to give up for a guy that will probably be here for three months. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of leaving the island, unfortunately, for you guys. But my you know, more standard prediction is – and just to get different from, oh, they're going to package Culver and, you know, a pick for somebody. My prediction is if they open up a roster spot through the trade deadline is they sign Shaq Buchanan to like a basically like a two year deal, second year non-guaranteed. Or they they waive Eves Pond, who's been unfortunately hurt all year. Um, but that Shaq Buchanan's on the roster by March. Um, that'll be my, you know feel pretty comfortable saying that um, he's, you know, have to bring my hustle brand here. And then my bold prediction is they don't move anyone outside of Culver at the deadline and it pays off when they're able to get a big fish in the off season. Ooh. So you're kicking the, the big, the big prediction down the road a little bit and saying they go get a Jalen Brown esque, maybe not Brown, but Let's somebody go. of that ilk over the Yeah. Summer. Yeah. Yep, I, I'm cheating and saying that they're not going to do anything big now, but it'll pay off when they have the assets to, you know, compete with almost anybody here in a few months. I'm proud of us. I could see all of those things happening. I think we're actually pretty rational here. We didn't go out on the limb and say they were getting James Harden or anything. So good job. Go Brandon, go Parker, go Joe. Brandon Parker, thank you so much, guys. It's been a crazy week for us. We've seen a lot of each other with uh, interviews over at the site for new writers. I'm excited to announce those folks here in the next day or so. Um, Thanks to everybody that applied. It was a really cool process. And, uh, you know, happy trade deadline, fellas. Thank you for joining me. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for having us, Joe. Thank you, Joe. Parker and Brandon are fantastic. Make sure you're following Brandon on Twitter at BC Abraham. Make sure you're following Parker on Twitter at Paca underscore Flocka. Make sure you're subscribing, rating, downloading, however you're getting the GBB Podcast Network. Longview with Parker Fleming, 3 and D, Core 4, Starting 5, and of course, GBB Live. iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google, iHeart, however you get your podcasts, make sure you make the GBB Podcast Network part of your process. And thank you for making grizzlybearblues.com part of your Memphis Grizzlies fan experience. For Parker, for Brandon, I'm Joe Mullinax. Grind forth, Grizz Nation. Happy trade deadline. This is Grizzly Bear Blues Live. Thank you.